I'm going to also take a second to tell you all about one of our show sponsors. That's Norse Fire Equipment out of North Dakota. Whenever I first started talking about having sponsors for the show, I really wanted it to be genuine businesses that are firefighter owned and operated and people that have good business ethics and have a good mission. Matt Vercota reached out to me from Norse Fire Equipment. He and I have spoken and, and talked back and forth a little bit, got to know each other. And he seems to fit that criteria. He's a full-time firefighter and founded this company in 2020 to provide a good place for firefighters to be able to get equipment that they needed to be able to do their job and have it at a good price and just good quality equipment instead of some of these places that want to sell you real cheap crap. For Y'all go over to NorseFireEquipment.com, coupon code COWBOY5. That'll get you 5% off on your online orders. All right, guys, on with the show. Dispatch to all units. This is a third alarm. Switch to the TAC channel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TAC channel. I'm your host, Heath Meredith. This is the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast. This is the podcast for firefighters. We talk about real-life situations, things that happen in your station, things that happen in your home life, relationships, leadership, promotions, you name it, we talk about it. Some things may be a little controversial, but that's real life, and that's things that we have to deal with, so we're going to talk about it on this show. Guys, welcome back. It's been a little bit since I've been in the hot seat. Had some some work going on that I had to get caught up on at the farm, and the kids just got out of school. It was their first week in summer, so, of course, we had to do dentist trips and doctor trips and all the checkups and all the stuff that you schedule to get done during the summer. So I've been pretty, pretty busy this week. And so that's why I was able to put out two episodes for y'all last week. But I'm back in the hot seat, about to go and start a 72 on the on the med unit um, tomorrow. So y'all, uh, y'all be thinking about me because it's summertime and I work in a in a for a 911 agency that covers a county that has two major lakes in Texas. So weekends can be kind of hectic with all the population that comes in for fishing and all that kind of stuff. So. That's what I have going on right now. I want to continue to thank everyone for all your kind messages that I've been getting. All the uh, the direct messages I get on Facebook. Folks asking me about different situations that they're going through in their department. Asking, you know, basically how I would handle certain situations or what I would do. And I think that that is awesome that y'all, you know, you think thick enough of my opinion to reach out. I hope that, that those of you that I've, you know, offered my my opinions too and what I would do to try to help, you know, remedy some of those situations. I hope that it's helped. Just know that um I believe in, in standing firm and, and true to who you are and sometimes that may get you in a little hot water if, if the answers that I give you I mean the disclaimer on that is, you know, it's what I would do, it's not necessarily what you would do. I'm willing to stand you know, stand my ground when it comes to rank or any kind of situation. I'm going to stand my ground on what I believe is right by the community, by my crew. I don't play the politics of the fire department. I don't really care if I piss off a fire chief because I'm not going to get involved in the shenanigans that happen within the departments. I know all of you have dealt with that at some level or another. It's currently plaguing the fire service in the United States. I get your messages from all over the country. And so I know, I know that it's happening. I know that it's happening to you guys. I'm doing everything I can. You know, I, I hear all the time, keep putting out this great information. 
everybody needs to hear this. I hear that from all of you guys, and I'm greatly appreciative of that. That's why I do this show. That's why I get on here as much as I possibly can to share with you all the stories and experiences that I've either gone through in my career or my crew has gone through. And these are all real-life stories. It's it's real-life things that have happened directly around me or to those those directly, you know, that I have a, a great relationship with, that I have direct contact with. And some people, that's that's hard for them to fathom. Some people are like, there's no fucking way. Well, I'm telling y'all, the shit has happened. I've either dealt with it or my crew has dealt with it. And it's most of it is completely unacceptable for a fire service where we claim to be a brotherhood and we ca- claim to care about each other. We claim to be a family and... It's one of the la- we are one of the last professions in the country that that claim that that we say family first. We are supposed to ultimately be willing to die for each other, and yet when you look up, you have all these different problems of people doing backstabbing bullshit when they're trying to get promotions that flat ass they're not that they don't deserve. They flat ass don't deserve. Um, there's all I mean, you name it, it's happening, and that's different topics that we've covered on this show, and I'm going to continue to cover. So thank you all for for all the the support that you've you given the Third Alarm Cowboys. If you wish to uh, you know help financially support us, then the best way to do that is to go on thirdalarmcowboys.com, purchase one of the, either the podcast launch shirts or the RJ Nep Condemned Saint Professional Boxing shirt. That's our uh, tag team shirt. It's the shirt that we use the proceeds for to go towards his training for his professional boxing career. So if that's something you're interested in, you're interested in boxing, you think that you know you like the fight game and everything about it, we'll just know that we have the Third Alarm Fighter is uh, a member of the Third Alarm Cowboys, is one of our original supporters, and we've been supporting him from the get-go all that we can financially to help him with his boxing career, whether it's training or all of his you know, nutrition, everything that goes along with boxing. We're also really really trying to get a little bigger when it comes to the promotions and stuff and, and build his fights up to be a lot bigger. Been on a conference call with with our tag team earlier about what we can do to try to further advance on, on the fight game and everything. So that's what we're working on there. I know a lot of you have supported that, and I'm greatly appreciative, and so is RJ. But if you wish to you know, continue to support us, share the show, Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, definitely follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Those are the two main platforms in which we have listeners from the analytics that I, I log on and see. I check that uh, every couple of days, really, and it's it's growing. We're at about 13,000 listeners, so this podcast is is massively growing pretty quickly too for a small town guy from east texas that just it goes to show that when you when you genuinely talk about things that you care about that you're passionate about and it's real life things that affect people we're not talking about you know fairy dust bullshit disneyland fire service bullshit we're talking about things that guys and girls out there riding the truck have to deal with whether it's at home whether it's finances whether it's dealing with the you know leadership within their department Departments that are lacking the leadership. I mean, all those different topics are things that that I'm have tried to cover or build into, and, and some of it I'm going to really expand on it as as well as several other topics that I haven't even gotten to yet. And I could tell that with all of you that have you know really really dove in and have become major supportive of us, it's it's striking a nerve with a lot of people, and that's exactly what I wanted to do. To be quite honest, this. This entire movement, this entire 
Third Alarm Cowboys podcast has grown way faster than I ever even dreamed. And that's all thanks to y'all. So just continue to share. I'm I'm here. Let me be your voice. Let me share the information that I have that could possibly help different situations within your department. From the stories that I hear, you know, my the names of my people and stuff of, of the issues that I went through or the patch that I wore on my arm might be a little different, but some of the stories are exactly things that y'all have been going through within your department, whether it's transitioning from being a volunteer department going full-time due to the demand, that's something that I went through. Going from a department that was EMS and fire department was separate to doing a merger where now you have to combine and figure out how you handle paramedic onlys and firefighters and how you you know try to mesh everybody together to understand how a firehouse works i've done that so most of you are going through basically growing pains of departments of things that i myself have gone through and i can offer my advice and, and i hope that um i've been really helpful with some of you that have reached out and asked about some of those different topics one thing that i've noticed has been kind of a common trend with a lot of the leadership questions i'm going to cover i'm going to cover a couple different topics on this show just because I've been getting a, a lot of outreach and people want me to cover different areas of things. I, I'm going to start trying to condense some of the content on the show so that I can cover more topics to answer some of your questions that are, end up. I'll get four or five people will message me and be asking me essentially the same thing and be a little different tweaks, but a lot of your questions are the same. So I'm going to start doing some shows like this that I can cover different topics that basically will you know allow to answer your questions to everyone instead of just trying to, to directly message each one of you back it's it's easier for me to refer to a show that i dive in and i talk a lot more than it is to try to just text back and forth i'm sure you all can understand that i got a lot of uh, i started that on the last show where i got a lot of requests for folks to were asking me my opinion on the chain of command highly encourage all of you to go listen to that. I give a couple great examples on why I think the chain of command is so important and why we need to abide by it up and down within all fire departments. So y'all go give that one a listen. That was that was strictly for you listeners. That was me that 100% by request and I'm going to do a little bit of that on this show as well. So one thing that I have noticed when it comes to a lot of the questions I get from folks is how do you handle having a newly promoted officer or an officer coming in from a from another shift, another station, whatever, and they don't necessarily have the best operational experience or operational repu uh, reputation. In just a slight example that uh, that I got from a guy messaged me and asked, he had basically a new newly appointed lieutenant that has many years of service in this fire department and essentially was promoted because of the years of service, not because of, of tactical experience or anything like that. And basically one of the main issues was is this newly appointed officer has a history of becoming emotional when it comes to different situations that happen within the, in the station. So say personnel issues, um, this lieutenant becomes from what I can understand, a little too attached, maybe a little biased on things and plays emotion into making those decisions. And then whenever it comes to operational incidents, this officer is very hectic, becomes panicky, 
for those of you that have been listening to the show for a little while, you'll understand that is literally one of my biggest pet peeves and my biggest way to see through your bullshit. For new listeners out there or new folks to the fire service, here's a nugget you could put in your toolbox for you could follow it for the entirety of the rest of your career. If you're working for somebody, no matter what rank that they hold, if they become panicky on scene and they're freaking the fuck out and they don't act like they know what they're doing, then it's probably because they don't know what they're doing. They are in way over their head. They were not given the answers to how to handle that that specific incident or scenario in the book that they memorized to be able to promote. They were not given the answers of how to handle that situation in the chief's meeting in which they promoted. They're in over their head. They don't know what they're doing. Somebody that has the background and has the experience, even if it's an incident they've never dealt with before, they understand that they can mentally process and get through it by being cool, calm, and collected and just going A, B, C, D. Just follow down the list, handle your shit. It's their emergency. It's not yours. It's your job to fix the emergency. If you're running around like a fucking moron, then you're not fixing shit. And that's what a lot of new officers that didn't earn their position, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They can't grasp that concept because they were too busy worried about trying to get the power and the clout and the money of promoting to understand the full spectrum of what it really takes to be in that officer's seat. I answer a lot of that when I get into that specific topic. I talk, I talk a lot about that in the episode called Master Your Position. Go give that a listen. That 100% explains when you are capable and when you are ready to promote. Memorizing a book does not make you ready to promote. Kissing the chief's ass does not make you ready to promote. So go listen to that show and then you'll understand a lot more. But back to the story about this guy and the newly appointed lieutenant. He reached out, asked how they handle that. They tried having a little intervention, if you will. And basically, the, the lieutenant went running to HR. Felt like they were getting, getting ganged up on typical crybaby bullshit, in my opinion. If you are a newly appointed officer, what you need to understand is you don't know everything. It doesn't matter how many years of service that you have. It doesn't matter how many your books that you memorized to take that test. You don't know everything. You're going to get your ass handed to you. That's where the experience come in. Experience is from making the runs. You can get some experience through training. You can to a slight degree. But you don't have all of the different aspects in training that you do when it comes to actually being on scene. Being on scene and handling those different scenarios is where you get your cool, calm, and collected self. It's where you get a true understanding of how to handle each and every emergency. And as a new officer, you don't know those things. You should, honestly, you should have enough write-up time in that position to where you're getting a good grasp of things before you ever sit in that seat. You shouldn't just jump in and try to learn as you go. Take that from me. I did that. There's a lot of growing pains that go along with that. You're going to fuck up a lot. You're going to look like an idiot to your crew a lot. You're going to look like an idiot to your chief a lot. Your district chief is going to chew your ass out. And you better hope to God that you have a good district chief or battalion chief, whatever's above you, that understands that you're trying 
and that you're kind of learning, you know, trial by fire, if you will, to use the old cliche, you better hope you have one of them and not some dickhead that wants to write you up for every single one of your fuck-ups. I've dealt with both, and that's all I can say is that's what you better hope for. But as a new officer, what you need to understand, you need to look yourself deep hardened in the mirror and understand you don't know everything. And there may be people on your crew that do know more than you. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room to be effective. You don't have to be the smartest and best person in the room to be good. You could be a great officer and have people below you that know way more about you when way more about certain topics when it comes down to it. That's actually how you become the best officer is if you could build a team around you and have a crew that knows how to do that specialty and all these different things and they're experts in those different things and they have their positions mastered in those different things, that's going to make you look like a rock star. So get out of your own way thinking that you're the end-all, be-all, and you know everything. Even if, even if you're that, like this example, you're that officer that's been there 15 years, but your fire crew, the most senior pipeman you have, has been there four. Well, you have not been, I'll, I'll tell you all a little bit of this story, that newly appointed officer was on the EMS side of the department, is now transitioning riding on the pumper due to years of service and certifications. It's transitioning. Well, these guys that are riding on that pumper, one of them's been there four and the other two had been there two years. That's their apparatus. They've been on that whole time while this lieutenant was riding a fucking ambulance. That is two totally different things in the fire service that people need to understand. Can you be good at both? Yes, you absolutely can. 95% of departments that I know out there are moving or already there or are moving into the direction of doing fire and EMS. That's just the nature of the beast. It's what we're progressing into. We have to deal with EMS. But I will be the first one to tell you, just because you're good at EMS and you've been doing the shit for 15 years or whatever does not mean you know jack shit about riding on that fucking pumper. Just because you are a 15 or 20-year paramedic or a paramedic supervisor, or whatever, and you go get your fire certification, that does not make you eligible to sit in the fucking officer seat of a pumper or a ladder truck. It does not. Just because the chief thinks that because you've been riding on that med unit for 15, 20 years, and you were a supervisor on that med unit, and he thinks he could slide you over and put you on this fire apparatus as an officer, that it's all going to be okay. It's not. That's opinionated bullshit, and I'm here to tell you, it's not the same thing. It is not the same. When you're riding on that ambulance, yes, lives are still at stake. Yes, you have to make critical, life-altering decisions. You do. But it is not the same as being hot, sweaty, in bunker gear with your fucking ass cooking off, and you're trying to make the decision of turning down this hallway to the right or to the left, and that's going to keep either you or your crew or both alive. It's, it's completely different. So stop with that mentality throughout these mergers in the fire service where we have this EMS personnel coming. I'm one of those. I'm not over here just beating up on EMS personnel. I am one of those. I wrote a box for years before I got into an officer position in the fire department. It is totally fucking different. Yes, we can integrate them, and as long as EMS personnel that are moving into a firehouse understand how firehouse works, it can be done successfully. It absolutely can. I truly 
on a side note, am an advocate for that, for these fire departments that are forcing firefighters to go get their paramedics. I know that's a big thing in Texas. I don't know about other states. I am an advocate for hiring paramedic onlys that just want to ride an ambulance that want the benefits of being in a fire department. They want a good pension. They want good health insurance. They want a good schedule. But they're willing to ride that EMS side and they don't want anything to do with the fire side, figure out whatever you got to do with the fucking bylaws of your department and all the bullshit with your civil service and all that kind of stuff. Figure out how to do that to make that happen because honestly, that's healthier. For the fire department, it's healthier. And as long as when those people are hired in, you truly educate them that, yes, you are a paramedic only. You're not going to touch the fire truck. But we are going to teach you what firefighters have to do and what our job entails. And we're also going to teach you how the, the life in the firehouse works. Because a lot of EMS personnel don't know that. They don't know how it is. I mean, I'm a prime example. I work some... EMS agencies that they stuck you in the nastiest little shithole trailer house in the deep woods of East Texas because it's all some bullshit private service would give you to live in and you're in there and it's nasty as shit and it's just you and your partner and you're running 20-25 calls a day so you barely even really see the station besides the shower and make crew change and you're eating fast food all the time and it's not a healthy lifestyle. So you go from that to moving into a firehouse and we all know how that is. There's structure. There's chores. There's daily duties. There is obviously a personnel structure within the within the station, within the department. Everybody has their place. Everybody has their assignments. And so you have to teach people how to integrate that. But I'm a major advocate for that because I think that it is healthier to bring in someone that wants to ride an ambulance than it is to try to force a firefighter that doesn't want to ride an ambulance to go get their paramedic, then make them get stuck on that fucking ambulance shift after shift after shift, year after year after year, and then you wonder why there's attitude problems and burnout problems. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. What it takes is a chief and a union president and a lawyer to get together and write the fucking paperwork up where we're not so ate up with our own bullshit that we can expand and understand that the demographics of the fire service and our job description is changing, so so does your fucking paperwork. I hear these departments time and time and time again. They hire guys. They force them to go to paramedic school. They fucking hate it. They hate being stuck on the ambulance, never getting to ride the fire truck, so they leave. Well, on this show, as you all know, I talk constantly about I'd hate fucking over taxpayers. I'm a taxpayer just as all of you are, and I hate it. I can't stand when fire departments especially waste fucking money on dumb shit. Well, training up firefighters... Making them go through paramedic school just to see them stuck on a box and then they leave and go to another department that allows them to actually be firefighters or at least rotate on and off the apparatus where they get time to do what they love, that is a waste of fucking taxpayer money. I don't I don't give a shit how you cut it. That is a complete fucking waste. And all it would take is the chief and the union president and the city attorney or whatever to rewrite some fucking paperwork to make it where these people... There are people out there that love riding a fucking ambulance. I've, I've met them for the last 20 fucking years of my life. There is people that that is all they want to do. But they get sick of working for these little shithole... I know you've all seen them, these shithole EMS agencies. 
that don't give them retirement. Their benefits are dog shit. They run the dog shit out of them. They don't pay them anything. So why can't those medics come in and work for a fire department and get a pension and get Blue Cross Blue Shield fucking city insurance and have an actual rotating schedule rather than all the bullshit that they have to deal with. It makes common sense. If you take care of those people, they'll come in and take care of your community. It goes back to the same shit we talk about on the on the show. Take care of your people. They'll take care of the community. It's fucking laziness because people don't want to chat. We can't change the rules. It's how we've always fucking done it. Well, when you have, just like I've talked about the last three shows, when you have a 40% shortage of firefighters, paramedics, nurses, all these essential personnel in the state of Texas, it's time for fire departments and all these people in the state of Texas to start fucking thinking about how to change shit. We have to start changing shit. We have to start changing how we're hiring, what we're hiring, who we're fucking hiring. It doesn't work anyway it, anymore. This is not 1990s fire service. It's not. This is not early 2000s fire service. We have mass fucking growth going on in all these different communities. Developments everywhere. Fire departments picking up EMS, so call volume is quadrupling almost everywhere. Pull your heads out of your asses and let's start doing some shit. And the reason I'm harsh on that, I hate that I'm getting off a little bit, but I'm getting kind of fired up talking about it. So I did a poll on... on the Third Alarm Cowboys podcast page. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you saw that or responded to it. And for those of you that did, I, I thank you very much for that. For those of you that didn't, hey, it was one fucking click. And it would have gave me a little bit more information. But, you know, y'all probably, whatever. So of that, I have to be completely honest. I got, so we have like 4,500 people that follow the page. Got about 500-something responses. I, last time I checked, I think it was this morning. So 500-something responses. And one thing I was truly shocked by, especially considering I'm going to say the majority of those people that respond are people that truly actually follow the page, they were all the 20 and plus people. The largest poll on that was the 20 and up, 20 years and up firefighters. The second largest was the 10 to 20-year guy. The third largest was the one to five year guy. And then in last place was the five to 10 year guy. And I got to be completely honest. I am really truly shocked by that. I know that's not the true demographic of the fire service, but the fact that that's the demographic of what listens to this show, I find that kind of comical. So, what that means to me is I have a lot of old heads that listen to this show, which is badass. I think that that's great. But that just tells me even more so. Y'all have your, if you got 20 years in in the fire service, you got your fucking pensions locked in. You got your numbers locked in. Step the fuck up. And all this shit that I talk about that you message me saying that you support, make it happen in your departments. Fix your fucking departments. Y'all are it. Y'all are what we look up to. I'm the 10 to 20 year guy and I look up to y'all. Y'all are my seniors. Y'all are my mentors. Y'all are what brought me in and taught me. So all this shit that y'all know needs to fucking change, y'all can make it change. And most of you have the credentials to take these fucking chief spots. And all these damn problems we're dealing with with these shitbag fucking chiefs, y'all can fix it. So do it. 
Hell, if you need me to do it, fucking hire me. I'll fucking come in and fix your shit. I, honest to God, I think it's funny. I wish there was a way. I don't even know how to do it. If somebody that listens to this show has any any kind of idea or, or suggestions, because I genuinely don't know. If y'all want me to start being a fucking consultant to come in these damn departments and start addressing some of these issues, hit me the fuck up. Tell me how to get the licensures or whatever I need to do, because... Holy shit, y'all. Some of this stuff is so fucking simple. It's so simple to fix. And the fact that a large demographic of this show is the 20 year and up, guys, y'all are truly it. Y'all's voice and y'all's experience and everything, y'all carry way more weight than I do. Y'all have the ability to change shit more than I do. So fucking do it. Or bring me in to do it. One of the two, but... We got to start standing together. Y'all can't just sit back as a 20-plus year guy. Sit back and say, yeah, he's right, man. This place, you know, the Chief's doing this, and we got all these problems. Holy shit, what else do y'all need? Like, do y'all know what kind of fucking power I would have if I was at a department and I had 20-plus years in my fucking pension was locked in? Holy fuck. I'd be at City Hall every goddamn day. If I'm fucking short like a lot of y'all are, have a 100% turnover rate, and you're down 40 fucking percent on your staffing, Y'all better damn get some nuts and get a fucking voice. Especially, like I've said before, if you live in that town and you're about to retire in the next five years and you live in that city and you see what's coming behind you and the shortage is coming behind you, you are a dumb motherfucker. Because you won't open your mouth and fix the fucking problem and you plan on living there. That is basically saying, I don't give a damn if anybody answers when I call 911 when I'm older. Or my grandkids. Or any of that shit. Come on, y'all. Get a voice. Say some shit. Firemen used to be badass. And now everybody is so fucking scared to say anything. It just it blows my mind. And really, I was looking at that poll. And I, I was only going to run it for like 24 hours. And I didn't really, honestly, I didn't have the the response. I, I thought that I would in the different age, uh, in the different generations. Because from the very beginning to the very end, the 20 plus group stayed ahead. And so I kept waiting. I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe the, the younger folks are going to start kicking in and it'll come up. Nope. Nope. Sure as shit. And I was like, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, that's cool. That's cool. Very cool. Because I look up to those 20-plus year guys. I do. I look up to them. That was my seniors. Some of them were my officers coming in. And and people that I looked up to when it came to social media. And just all the things that built me into the career that I have. And the, the characteristics and the leadership styles and all those things that I have. I learned from older guys. As we all we all do. That's, that's just how, how it goes. So... Anyway, just, it really kind of blew my mind, to be perfectly honest. I was like, wow, all right. So, you know, next time I, I do run a poll or whatever, you guys jump on there. Because it gives me a little bit more data for what, for different situations. And I love covering, I love talking about the generational gaps. I do. Because to me, it's not that complicated to to bridge those generational gaps. Just like it's not that complicated to bridge the merger between fire and EMS when it comes to personnel inside the stations. It's To me, it's not that complicated. But I know for a lot of folks, it's not. It, it's not that way. 
A lot of folks don't know how to do it. A lot of folks don't even know where to begin. And, and they damn sure don't know how to handle when there's conflict or you have to actually have a confrontation to solve these some of these issues that arise. Because you have people. There, we're human beings and people living under one roof. What does that sound like? It sounds like a fucking family. And when you have people that can't get past that because all they see is numbers or patches or ranks... They can't grasp the concept of how to handle family conflict under one roof. That's why it's easy for me. But for a lot of people, it's not. So, talking about that lieutenant that one of our listeners was talking about. Well, of course, she took him to AR, or uh, I'm sorry, took him to HR behind the things that they said. Well, he asked me, you know, tell me, tell me a little bit more. And I said, okay, well... You know, obviously, because he went to her superior, went up his chain, followed his chain of command to figure out how to resolve a solution. Because they want the the crew wants all to get along, but they want the issues with this lieutenant to be addressed and the confidence problems they have to be addressed because their lives are on the line and they feel that way. They feel that, of course, this lieutenant riding the engine, the pumper is going to be making life or death decisions for them. And that's absolutely correct. And they feel that the basics, uh, basic firefighting skills are not up to par when it comes to this individual. And that's fair. This person came from the EMS side, only holds a basic certification, doesn't have the years of experience riding in that, in that pumper, then yes, their concerns are validated. Absolutely. So they, they ha- tried to have that conversation and, and I don't, I don't know exactly what all transpired, but obviously it didn't it didn't go over well. So they followed the chain of command up, and the chief basically said that they would start doing a little bit more training and and try to bring this this new lieutenant up to the standard that that they thought as a crew it should be. So he asked me what should they do next. Well, I asked because to me this is very basic. To me, this should be. For any new officer coming in, whether you're you're newly promoted or whether you're moving stations, you're working overtime, anything. If you are a new officer with new personnel, even if you have a new firefighter, new new crew member coming in, does, doesn't matter. You need to sit down with that crew in the morning after you get your truck checked. Observe how all that's done, you know, the normal daily chores. If you're new coming in, that's not your normal crew, whatever, then just observe. Don't come in trying to change a bunch of shit because it ain't your crew. If you're newly promoted, it ain't your crew yet. It's not. So observe. Make sure everything is, is done. Make sure the truck is actually checked off. No pencil whipping going on. None of that bullshit. And then sit down with your crew. It could be done at breakfast, whatever. Sit down with your crew and have an expectations talk. To me, this was this this was a no-brainer. This was something I was taught way before I ever even promoted. This when I was still riding up. My district chief 
other mentors that I had throughout the fire, they all said, you need to have a, you need to have an expectations talk. When you promote to officer, you need to do this and you need to cover all of your expectations of the crew, whether it's what you expect of them tactically, what you expect of them when it comes to station duty, station chores, all that kind of shit. Let them know what you expect, but then Turn it around and say, okay, well, what do y'all expect out of me? Especially if you're a newly appointed officer and you're going in and this is your permanent crew. Have this conversation. Let your crew tell you what their expectations of you are. Whether it's teaching them new shit. Whether it's allowing them to advance their careers. I mean, what, it could be, a, it could be a, a multitude of things. Some things may be a little harsh. If you have a bad reputation of being weak tactically or a shitty crew member that they, you know, they've heard bad stuff about you, you have a bad reputation of what it's like to live in the station with, they may say that. And that's okay because it's supposed to be a truthful and honest family conversation. Just like you have at the kitchen table with your kids or your mom and daddy when you're growing whatever. It should be a truthful and honest and open with no repercussions, conversation. That way you know where your crew stands. They know where you stand. That's how you start a healthy relationship. If it's tactical shit, you can tell them. I got a message from one of my old firefighters the other day. Phenomenal firefighter. She, she was by far one of the best females that I ever had on my crew, but truly one of the best firefighters that I ever worked with. And honestly, it was because she was a female. She... Was an underdog all the time. She was a small built female. Not the strongest thing. Not a big burly walk-in refrigerator like I am. So she hustled. She knew that she was a female coming in the fire service. So she tried twice as fucking hard to make sure she beat everybody in bunker gear drills. She made sure that she could literally do the job better than the boys. And she did. Honestly, she did. But she messaged me talking about that... Even to this day, she's been out of the fire service due to the toxicity that happened at the old department. She got moved off my crew when she promoted, and it, it, it ended up not panning out for her. She couldn't handle uh, a lot of the horrors that y'all have heard me talk about. And, and she was also getting married, trying to have children. That department was not friendly when it came to females trying to have children, which is completely against the fucking law. But whatever, you can't deal with a dickheaded chief that, that doesn't give a shit about his people. So she went on to, to better things. But she was messaging me saying how even after all these years, the basics are still, they're, they're pounding her head. And, and even if she decided to try to go back to the fire service today, she felt confident that when it came to her basic fire skills and her basic EO skills, she would be able to walk right in. And she said it was because you drilled the shit out of us. You were a hard ass when it came to it. We trained five hours a day sometimes when it came down to shit that they needed to know and they weren't getting it. But when I sat down with them, when I came into that department, I was their new officer. I said, I said, hey, you know, y'all been here for a little bit longer than me. I've been assigned to this shift, this station, so y'all are my crew. This is my expectations. We are going to be the best performing crew at this fucking department, hands down. Some, some days y'all might not like me. I'm going to push you. I'm absolutely going to push you. And that's what you have to do. 
of course, they came back at me. You know, they wanted a captain that they could trust. They had had to deal with some fuckery before I got there from a previous officer. They didn't want to deal with all that. So they told me, if you are if you are going to be a snake and, you know, trying to be one of these gotcha captains that want to write their crews up all the time and all this shit, they didn't want me. And so I reassured them, I'm not that way. And so th- from day one, we were able to mesh and grow because we were truthful and honest with each other of what we demanded out of each other and what our expectations were. So that's something that that crews, you got to get out of your own way. Take the damn, take the collar brass off, take the badge off, and have a truthful and honest conversation with your crews from day one. If it's tactics, you're going in. Uh, I loved having a firefighter if they were filling in for for overtime with me, and they're like, "Hey, Cap, how do you you know how do you handle this, this, and this? What do you expect of me tactically if we catch this kind of fire?" Man, I know that 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 firefighter is thinking. They showed up to work fucking thinking because they want to know what I expect, what line I expect them to pull, how you know whatever my tact. I know that they showed up ready to fucking work and ready to do the damn job, and that's badass for you firefighters out there. Y'all need to do that. You want a good reputation? Show up and ask what kind of tactics your captain uses when it comes to ventilation. Does he want the saw? What what hand tools do they want to take up on the roof? Um, which which lines are we pulling first? What kind of nozzle does he prefer? All those different things that we talk about on Facebook, about all the different tactics and all that kind of shit. Yeah, it's great to talk about on Facebook, but if you don't go in there and talk about it tactically in the morning with your crew to understand what we're going to do today, then having all the Facebook knowledge in the world doesn't mean jack shit. So do that, and it'll make you look like a fucking stud. Because that captain's going to be like, all right, this fireman came here to work. Hell yeah. And I loved that. But it went along with having that level of expectations talk. It's great. It's healthy. So going in talking about training. You hear all the time, all the different quotes and sayings and shit that goes along with training, you know, practice perfect, all the different shit. Well, something that I have seen recently when it came to training that I think is a major fault when it comes to a lot of training. So what people need to understand, and there's there's some amazing tacticians when it comes to all the different training shit out there. But something that I always did, I truly believe that training is your time to learn and fuck up. Training is your time to be pushed to your breaking point and to, to learn that you can go further. Whether it's your mind, whether it's your body, whether it's your air consumption, all those different things. Training is where you get all that shit figured out. For you new listeners out there, I come from a sports background. All from childhood, all the way up high school, whatever. So, something that I've noticed, even with my own kids, on how coaches are coaching now. It's way different. And I see it in the fire service, too. So when I was growing up and in baseball or football, either one, in practice you ran drills, right? We ran our plays. So I played I played pitcher in third. 
So, of course, I pitched, you know, practice pitching every day. But if I'm at third, coach is hitting the ball, hitting on this side of me, hitting on that side. Learn how to rotate your glove. Learn how to catch this. Learn how to be able to build that memory in your body to understand if the ball is here, I need to scoop up and pitch here. If I got a runner on second, I need to be watching and go go to my bag. All those different things you learn through doing drills. So one thing I see with my own kids on, on how, and this is high school coaches, professional coaches. I'm not talking about little league shit now. All they're doing is basically having scrimmages every single day. They're not running drills with them. They're not they, half these kids on a varsity level team don't even know how to properly slide because they're not running slide drills. Your your very basic shit. They're not running drills on. If you're second base, second base is 100% built with running drills. Hitting the ball to you short. Learning how to read your bounces. Learning how to drop back. When you when you see the ball come on, drop back first. Then you read the ball. Be able to read. I mean, all those different things. Whether you're going for a double play. Whether you're going straight to first. Whether you have a runner and you're going home. I mean, all the shit you learn by working it and your coach is teaching you through drills. Going out there and just hitting and playing scrimmage against the same team and the same pitchers and the same shit every single day, you're not learning anything. That is actually, I think, building a poor repetitive habit. Well, in the fire service, whenever we go out and we do a lot of these trainings, a lot of the times guys will just throw their crews to the wolves, figure it out, and go. That has its place. It does. But after hours and hours and hours of detailed, drill-driven training. So say it's it's catching a hydrant. You gotta first teach them the steps of catching a, catching your plug before you just pull up and say, okay, I'm setting the timer. You got two minutes, go. Here's your scenario, go. That comes after. You know, you gotta teach them, hey, pull your pull your air brake. You got to put it in pump gear. Then you, you got to make sure that it went into pump gear. Or even better yet, if you work in some of the rural places I did where you didn't have, you know, locking handles on your pump. So, honestly, the first thing you did when you pulled your e-brake, you stepped out and you made sure all your fucking handles were shut before you put it in pump gear and put it in gear because you might be charging some shit leaking by and you're going to charge a line that you don't want to charge inside the fucking hose bed and you just create a huge mess. So that's one more step that you learn through training to make sure and ensure that that you're not having a fuck up. So that becomes part of your system. When you step out of the truck, you check for that. Then you throw it in gear. You go ahead and establish whatever line you're going to be flowing, right? Because we need to get water on the fire first. So you start flowing your water. You also learn through doing these kind of drills. If you're if you're flowing a two and a half, how quick your tank's going to go. Versus if you're flowing an inch three quarter, how quick your tank's going to go. You can mentally learn how long I really actually have. Because you can read all the books in the world you want about GPMs and all that bullshit. And it's going to give you a roundabout estimate on what you're looking at time-wise. But that's not truly how it is on your truck with your crew. You'll know hey, they got advances 200-foot cross lay. I'm watching them. I see them moving. I know how long I've got. I can catch this plug real quick. They're not flowing yet. I can catch this plug real quick. You learn all that shit through doing these step-by-step drills. 
And that's how you can actually get somebody to be under whatever your department standard is. Two minutes, whatever. That's how you get them is you run them through the step-by-step. And then you start going and and do like I did. And we would be driving along. We'd be coming back from a restaurant or something. And I would see a plug. And I'd say, okay, catch that plug. Go. I want a two and a half. And really, I, I mean, I would cheat it. We would just hook a two and a half inch nozzle. I wouldn't make a pull hose on the ground. But one of the firemen would would catch and put a uh, two and a half inch nozzle on the back. Give the it would give the EO where we're flowing water. EO's got to catch catch a plug before we go dry. Go. You could do that to them after you taught them the process. But to just do that and then sit back on your ass and play with your fucking phone, and then after they don't make their time or after they screw up. Then you're telling them how fucking worthless they are. You can't do that. You got to break it down and get to the very basic levels and go step by step. And then after they really get where that's that is perfected, then you fuck them up by starting to throw in, okay, you lost your water supply. What do you do now? Some asshole drove over your five inch. What do you do now? That's when you can start trying to add in different things. Like one tactic that I had at one of one of the crew, uh, crews that I worked with the districts we worked in most of our hydrants were really fucking far away when we dropped five inch on the ground honestly majority of the time it was a full thousand foot in the bed well and it, it may even be that we had to lay the hose out at the nearest asphalt or concrete road because we were on like a gravel or shitty asphalt road in that our super tankers didn't need to drive on so we would lay the hose in at the road and then forward lay all the way into the house. Done that a lot. Well, one thing about that, that was an added aspect that we learned through actual do, doing proper drills was you lay that shit in, well, you don't have either, you don't have a direct line of sight to whenever the tanker is coming in. Or your tanker shuttle is established, or what, or the hydrant is caught, whatever, and your firefighter is trying to talk to you on the radio, but you have your scene size ups going on, and all the initial fire attack radio traffic is going on, so the radio is not clear enough for the EO to call for water on the hydrant. So what will we do? We put a fucking hose clamp, five inch hose clamp, on the last section before it got to the truck. So we had a standing order that our crews knew because we drilled on the details. When that last section came off the damn truck, or you had to pull the last section off the truck, you went ahead and put a hose clamp on it. All that firefighter did at the end, when they were catching the plug, they went ahead and charged the fucking line. The water went against the fucking hose clamp. Then when the EO was ready, because the lines were already pulled, you had water flowing, you had everything you needed for your fire attack, EO goes over there, grabs a 5-inch, hooks it up to the intake, lets off that fucking clamp, boom, you moved your hydrant from being a 1,000-something foot away so now it's right behind the back bumper of the truck, 20 foot. And your firefighter at the end can catch a ride in with the chief or can hike their ass up here to get in on the fire attack. And you didn't have somebody sitting at the end of the 5-inch just fucking waiting. That's things you learn through doing drills on the details. That's why it's important. These, these captains or anything that get their rocks off on trying to just, well, we're going to do these fucking highly complicated scenarios right out the gate. 
you're not making yourself look good. You create nothing but chaos because whenever the individuals that are actually performing those tasks don't exactly know the details of the drill and they don't know what they're supposed to be doing, all that does is create conflict amongst that crew and you just destroy confidence, you destroy camaraderie, and overall the drill is going to go to shit. And then you're going to be having to do an after action on the damn train on how it went and everybody's going to say, it fucking sucked. I didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know what I was doing. All we did was argue. It was miscommunication. Blah, 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 blah. The whole nine yards. And all it took was getting out of your way of trying to be super fucking hero and break it down to doing the basics. So that's something everybody needs to think about. This shit is not complicated. If you're a new officer, have an expectations talk with your crew. Let them talk openly with you and you talk openly with them. All you that took the poll, thank you so much on Facebook. I, I love the interaction. I genuinely do. But just know, with the way that poll came out, there's a lot of 20-plus year listeners of this show. I look up to y'all. I respect everything that you've done for the years that you've served. But it's y'all's time to get a fucking voice. Y'all want change? Be the change. Step up. You already got your pension locked in. Step up. Make your departments better. If you're one of these departments that's going through EMS and fire mergers, where it's the personnel, it's not that complicated. Just sit down and talk like a family. Sit down and explain and educate of what's expected. It goes back to the expectations talk. Just do that. It's not that complicated. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Jump on and leave us a review on Spotify and Apple. That really does help with this show. I thank you all for the support greatly. I really do from the bottom of my heart. It's This show and this movement and everything has grown so fast. Uh, I'm doing everything I can do to try to keep up. Y'all continue to support us. Support our sponsors. Go to NorseFireEquipment.com. Check those guys out. Give them a chance for your business when it comes to all your fire equipment. Go to thirdalarmcowboys.com, order order our shirts. I've got several of the shirts are getting low on sizes, so if y'all want some of those, you better get ahead and get them ordered. I'm getting ready to launch another shirt. I'm wanting to do it uh, before 4th of July. Just working on getting all the details worked out on that, so don't hold me to it, but that's what, that's what I'm shooting for. But all right, guys, we'll see you on the next one. Put you right back in your place Just like a whaler said